All right, let's take our Bibles and go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And thank you for being here this morning. And just from the standpoint of, as a believer myself, fellowshipping with you, singing with you, looking at the Word of God together, and uh, praising the Lord on the first day of the week, the Lord's Day. Uh, Praise the Lord for the way God set things up. But we're talking about seven Bible mysteries. We've worked our way through five of them. Uh, The first one being the indwelling Christ, Christ in us. Uh, Paul said the hope of glory, then Christ and the church. That relationship between the Lord Jesus Christ and the true church. That is those that are truly born again and know him as their savior. The third mystery we looked at was the blindness of Israel. The blindness of Israel until the second coming of Jesus Christ. And then we spend some time on the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, The Bible says, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. And we talked about that. And then lastly, we talked about the mystery of the rapture of the church. The resurrection of God's people. The taking of the church out of the world before the beginning of the tribulation period. Daniel's 70th week. And ultimately, the great tribulation, the last three and a half years of that period of time. And that's what we're going to look at today, is we're going to look at something that uh, very much relates to that period of time, and that is what the Apostle Paul calls the mystery of iniquity. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning, and uh, Father, uh, there's more here than I could, I could preach or teach in, in eight hours. So God, uh, help me with the right discernment to bring the things that are essential, the things that will edify, the things that will strengthen. And uh, Father, we pray especially for that one without Christ, whether they're sitting here in the building this morning or looking in online. Uh, we ask, Father, that you would bring them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. May they not wait around until the church is taken out. May they not wait around uh, until that great deception comes upon all men who have heard and not received Christ. Uh, Lord, may they not take that chance this morning. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting in verse 1, he says, Now, We beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. So he beseeches them on on the basis of the return of Christ, uh, both the rapture and the second advent. He talks about both of these in this portion of Scripture. He says in verse 2, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter, as from us. Notice he he says, as from us. Uh, In the first century, while Paul was writing and preaching and tending to the churches and evangelizing, there were those that were forging letters in his name and teaching false doctrines. One of the groups that was especially uh, uh, doing that was the Gnostics, and uh, they were a first century heretical group, and we didn't have time to go into their doctrines, but uh, that would be one group. So he says, uh, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. 
Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. You know, I, I read church history, and I read of days where there were great sweeping revivals across the land, different parts of the world, and especially here in the United States. Um, I realize we are living in these days where there is a falling away. And when you look at a falling away, you're not talking about lost people falling away from the truth. Lost people were never at the truth. You're talking about God's people falling away. It's called apostasy. And uh, in some ways, it's, it's difficult for that reason. But Wednesday night, we talked about how in dark times, our little light can shine brighter. So in that respect, uh, it may be encouraging. But he says, in that man of sin be revealed... Uh, the son of perdition. Now, there's all kinds of debate as to whether Christians will know who the Antichrist is or they won't. Um, honestly, if I find out who it is, okay. And if I don't, okay. Because I'm really not looking. I wouldn't look forward to it, to be honest with you. I wouldn't look forward to it. But uh, I just thought I'd throw that out at you because you've probably heard that theory. Verse 4. Now, again, I can't teach every aspect of these 12 verses because there's just too much, but I just want to make a few comments. It says in verse 4, Speaking of the Antichrist, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he is God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now, this is what Jesus talked about in Matthew 24, is the abomination of desolations. It's spoken of by Daniel in Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. And the Antichrist will lure the nation of Israel into a false covenant, allow them to rebuild their temple on the site. Yeah, talk about a political and religious miracle. And then halfway through Daniel's 70th week, three and a half years in, he is going to declare himself to be God. He's going to go right into the Holy of Holies and sit on the holy place and declare himself to be God. And Christ calls that the abomination of desolations. Verse 5, remember ye not that when I was yet with you that I told you these things. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time for the mystery of iniquity. This is what we're focus, focusing on this morning. The mystery of iniquity doth already work. This mystery is already at work in Paul's day. Imagine how much more it is as we get closer to the Lord's return. He said it doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Now, look. Many of you have heard that that last section of verse 7 refers to the Holy Spirit. And you know what? I, 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 I wouldn't grind an axe with somebody over that. I understand why they would think that. But the entire context of that phrase, verses in front of it and verses behind it, points to the Antichrist, not the Holy Spirit. Now, it is true that when God's people take it, are taken up in the, in the rapture of the church, much of the salt of the earth is gone. And I do believe it's going to accelerate the corruption. It's going to accelerate the program of the devil. But I don't believe that when the church is taken up, that just means that the Spirit of God isn't here anymore. Folks, there's going to be 144,000 Jews, 12,000 from each tribe of Israel preaching to the world. 
There are going to be those that receive Jesus as their Savior and keep the commandments of God and, and lose their lives in martyrdom at the hand of the system of the Antichrist. So the Spirit of God will still be here. I, I believe this, he who letteth will let until he be taken out of the way refers to something else. And we'll get that in, to that in just a moment. Verse 8, and then shall that wicked be revealed. Whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth. Amen. I've already seen enough. I, I hope you're with me on this one, but I hate the devil. I hate his program. And I'm looking forward to that day. And shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Be careful. When someone says, well, this person over here has miracles, or this person can do this, uh, uh, this, this trick or whatever, uh, it's got to be of God. No, the devil has lying signs and wonders. Kind of like the religious shiny object that the proverbial raccoon gets interested in. Verse 10, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness and them that perish... Because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion. That they should be a lie, uh, believe a lie. That they all that might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. I, I'm going to tell you something right now. There are, there are no more sobering verses in the Bible than verses 11 and 12. Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15, talking about the lake of fire, that's equally sobering. But there is, there's nothing more sobering than this anywhere in the Word of God. And you know who this is directed to? Might be directed to someone here this morning, sitting here this morning, or looking in online. Someone who hears the gospel of Jesus Christ. And either rejects it or puts it off. Look at verse 10. They received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. What happens to them when the church is taken out and they go into the tribulation period? God is going to send the world a strong delusion and they will believe the lie. I can't think of anything worse. If you don't know the Lord is your Savior this morning, get saved. Don't put it off. Don't, don't continue to say manana. Manana is today. Get saved now. Because if, if the Lord comes back and takes his people out, and he could come before the service is over, you having heard the gospel and not received the love of the truth, you will be in the tribulation period, and you will believe the lie. I mean, folks, it's one thing to have the devil trying to deceive us. It's another thing when God says, sends a delusion, a strong delusion. Don't be part of that program. Aren't you glad you're saved this morning? <laughs> Think of all the things that can happen to us as Christians. That's not one of them. Praise the Lord. That they all might be damned, verse 12, who believed not the truth but had Pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, a couple things to keep in mind as we proceed 
on, on this line of thought. Remember something. We, we preached a message uh, a while ago that the devil is a mime. He's an imitator of the things of God. Remember something. Never forget that the devil's end game is worship. Okay? All this secularizing of society is, is for him to prepare the morals and the ambiguity and the postmodernistic thinking of a bunch of arrogant people that think that their truth is as good as any truth and, and they're just wide open for the devil's delusion. But in the end, the devil isn't about secularized society. He's about being worshipped. And in Matthew chapter 4, when the devil tempts Jesus Christ, his end game was to try to get Jesus to bow down, and if you can believe this, worship him. But seriously, look at the temptations. And that's exactly what he wanted. So in the end, all this secularization and wokeness and craziness and nonsense it's all part of his program, no question about it. It's all part of the mystery of iniquity. But in the end, he's going to spring religion on him. And his guy, the Antichrist, is going to sit right down on the Holy of Holies and declare himself to be God. And if you don't worship him and you don't take the mark that verifies you worship him, you won't buy or sell or get a job or even get anything to eat. You'll be on the run. And chances are you'll lose your life. Because that's his end game. Have you ever just looked around at some of the craziness that's going on right now? And say to yourself, what's behind it? What's behind it? Uh, people yearn for an answer to that question. And, and if you don't know the Bible, you, you just, the answer wouldn't even make sense to you if you don't know the Lord. But, you know, I've heard people say, well, you know, it, it's Soros. <laughs> you know, the guy with his billions and billions and billions and maybe even a trillion dollars now, you know, he goes around from state to state and uh, he puts his money behind the DAs that will just empty all the prisons <laughs> and turn these people loose on us. Now, I don't, I don't know what his motive is. Maybe he just likes living in his little castle and have everyone else uh, have, have crimes committed against him. I, I don't know what he's about, but there's some people, you know, it, it's, it's guys like, it's, it's Bill Gates. Or maybe it's Elon Musk. And his neoconservatism isn't really neoconservatism. We're always looking for somebody in flesh and blood, or maybe an organization. Dial it in on YouTube any way you want. You know, the, the 13 witches or warlocks that run the world. And, you know, stuff will come up, I'm sure, with, you know, 13 people on a, with a boiling pot in black hoods. And they're really the ones that run the world. And, and they're so secretive that they don't even know who they are. <laughs> you can't know, and they don't even know. <laughs> Maybe it's, it's, it's just the Democrat Party.
It's, it's the commies. It, it, they're all Putin's guys that he sent over here. Or Jing Xinping in China or whatever his name is. There's always a tendency for us. And by the way, the devil does use people, doesn't he? Didn't Jesus say to Peter one time, get thee behind me, Satan? He wasn't calling Peter Satan. He just recognized that Satan was using Peter at that moment. When Peter said, no, you're not going to the cross. You're not going to do all that stuff. So the devil can use people. But in the end, what is, let's just talk about our own country. What is causing this lemming effect of our whole country running straight as fast as they can for something that looks obviously like a cliff? You know, the maddening thing to me as a patriotic American is America isn't being taken from us. It's being given away. And particularly some of the people in this administration, they can't seem to give it away fast enough. And so you ask the question, what's behind it? What, are, are people consciously doing this stuff or are they just stupid or are they deceived? I, I don't even hear Christians entertaining that possibility very often. Oh, it's got to be conspiracy. They're all sitting down. They're all planning out. Listen, people don't cooperate enough to plan it all out. Take Watergate back in the 70s. There were about three people that knew what happened. And the president, Nixon, couldn't keep it a secret. People just don't, they don't cooperate that well. But there is a conspirator. There is a plan. He's called the God of this world. And yes, people can intentionally do evil, and yes, people can be stupid. But you know what the Bible talks about more than anything else? In this section of Scripture we're looking at, this mystery of iniquity, it's deception. People that are doing Satan's work that think they're doing something good. I mean, I hear it all the time now. Oh, there's a climate emergency, a climate. They might as well be saying to me that 1,000 Peter Pans are going to descend on America with, with hundreds of thousands of more fairies to attack us with magic swords. I would be just as concerned. It would phase me just as much as when they say, there's a climate emergency. And if you got your eyes open, you see that's just an excuse to turn our way of life on its head. By the way, if you're new here, I'll explain this, but if you've been around any length of time, you know this to be true. I'm not generally an alarmist, and I'm not a prepper. Now, I'm not against preppers, okay? But I'm not. But I'm going to tell you right now, the madmen in this administration... I think some of them are either stupid enough to think it would be all right to run out of diesel, or they'd like to because then they th they'd think that everybody that owns a diesel truck or train will just switch to electric in about eight hours, and everything will be fine. 
I tell you what, we run out of diesel and we're as close to it as we've ever been. This whole country is going to shut down. So can I make a recommendation to some people that I, I love and care for? Okay. I'm not on a crusade. But in the next couple weeks, if you have a little extra money laying around that you don't know what to do with, go to the grocery store and buy cans of Dinnymore stew or canned salmon or whatever you like. Because did you remember what happened just a couple years ago when everybody got freaked out over COVID and everybody thought that we would run out of all things toilet paper? That doesn't even seem serious now. When we got a president that's bringing us to the brink of running out of food. Now we're talking the other end. <laughs> Before we were talking about the waste. <laughs> Tell you what, there ain't going to be no waste if there ain't no food. You understand what I'm saying? And, and, and you say, well, I can't imagine a store without... I've been to the Ukraine right after the, right after the wall went down. Back in the uh, 90s, mid-early 90s, whenever it was. Early 90s, I believe it was. And to go to a grocery store and look down a whole long aisle and see nothing. Go down the next aisle and see two boxes of crackers on one side. And a jar of jelly on the other. Go to a hospital that's circa World War II and find out that on the entire floor, there isn't anything to kill pain as strong as an aspirin. And if they do surgery, your anesthesia is they strap you down, and when the pain makes you pass out, that's your anesthesia. Say, so that couldn't happen here. You got an administration that's doing their best to make it happen. I saw Kamala Harris's response to the question about what are you going to do about running out of diesel? And she went into her little, you know, I, I, I'm the eighth grader talking to the five-year-olds. And, and, and the voodoo press sec secretary said similar. Oh, those kids that have to ride the bus... Smell that smelly diesel. It's so icky. And the guys that have to drive the bus. And that's how she answered the question. Breathe all that bad stuff. Like, I hope we run out. He's trying, our president's trying to settle a train strike. If you don't have diesel fuel, the trains aren't going to run. <laughs> All I'm saying is I would recommend do a little hoarding I, before everybody else does. Remember the toilet paper and the paper towels. And folks, that's not even serious. We found out during that time that a coffee filter works <laughs> we tried it just in case 
not good for fine-tuning, but it's a good start. <laughs> but if this country freaks out over food, they will empty those shelves so fast that you won't see a box of crackers. So I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You do what you want with that. And you say, well, I don't want to be a waste. And yeah, you can always eat it later. Hey, look, and I want to be wrong. If I'm wrong, you say, hey, preacher, you were wrong. And if that makes you feel good, go ahead. Because I'll feel good if I'm wrong. But this current administration is just doing everything they can. And you, and you ask yourself the question, what's behind all this? Paul says we wrestle not against what? Flesh and blood. It's the mystery of iniquity. It's, the, it, it's, it's what I would call a form of insanity. I wish we had the time this morning to go to Daniel chapter 8 and, and, and look at this. And, and by the way, the mystery of iniquity includes the fact that, that, that how all of this power could be put in the hands of one man, one administration, this Antichrist, and not just a country, but the whole world. But it goes back to Matthew 4. The devil said to Jesus, hey, you know, you fall down and worship me, I'll give you all of these kingdoms. And did you ever notice that Jesus said, oh, no, that's not yours to do? He didn't dispute the claim. He didn't dispute the claim. He just refused to worship him. But he didn't dispute the claim. And so Paul says the mystery of iniquity is already at work. The Bible says that the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. The kingdom of heaven, the literal, physical, visible uh, governments of this world, as opposed to the kingdom of God that we're born again into, which Paul said is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace in the Holy Ghost. He said it suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. The mystery of iniquity. In the 80s, in the 80s, the early 80s, late 70s, when I started in the ministry, it would have been far-fetched for most of us to really seriously think that our country would codify homosexual marriage. But they've gone so far beyond that. And now we're supposed to embrace trans. And it's being jammed down our throats through the public school system. It's being jammed down our throats through the entertainment industry, especially Disney. The once best babysitter for kids back in the day when Walt Disney was alive. But you better watch out for that now. The executive CEO, whatever she is, has said her big goal is to get, you know, trans in on all the cartoons and movies and everything now. You put your kids in front of that, you're nuts. Might as well not take them to Sunday school anymore. What's behind all this? By the way, this homosexuality thing is a bigger thing than you think. You know, a lot, a lot of Americans, oh, you know, Putin's in trouble. Uh, there's going to be a big uprising. Everybody hates what he's doing, and he's the only one that likes it. No. A lot of the people in Russia think that what he's doing is right. And, and, and you know what his line is to them? 
And you know what? If we were living there and looking at life from that side of the, of the, of the glass, this direction, we might think the same thing. Hey, do you want all that woke, queer stuff in our country? That's, folks, that's our, uh, for, for a while there under our, our former president, we were the biggest exporter of, of oil and energy, but right now we are the biggest exporters of perversion. And the impression that the average foreigner has of America, they're getting it from Hollywood. And that's why a lot of people in Russia think that what he's doing is right. They look at it at, at, as, a, at, as a moral war. Do you know we have Democrats in government that are, are calling it a moral war the other direction? Oh, we got to stop this madman because he's against homosexuality. Oh, really? That's what's on the forefront for you? What is that? What is that? It's deception. It's the mystery of iniquity. And we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So, so what are we to do? Hey, folks, uh, here in about a week and a half, I, I, I would go out and vote. And we're all looking for a red wave. But what if not? What if not? I'm already a little nervous that they said there's all this absentee voting going on already. Yeah, we've heard that one before. But what if not? Well, if you're a Bible-believing Christian, you're not going to run off the cliff with the rest of them. So what are you going to do? You're going to get discouraged and quit? You're going to think that God failed? God didn't fail. God said that's the way it's going to be. And, and by the way, he's a sovereign God, and he's still running things. And the King of kings and Lord of lords is going to come at the end of the tribulation period and set up a 1,000-year kingdom. And the Bible says righteousness is going to cover the face of the earth like the seas. And all this woke craziness and immorality and all that stuff is going to have to go back into the cracks with the cockroaches. You know what we do? We keep on for Jesus Christ. You stand for him. You live a good Christian life. You say, what, what can I do to save America? Yeah, go ahead and vote. But the biggest thing you can do to save America is, is live for Jesus Christ. Be part of that remnant. Pray for a revival in our country. Pray that the next president will be pro-Israel and make us a sheep nation. Continue to give to missions. God so loved the world. God's heart beats with the word of God going out to the whole world. And then probably more important than anything else, be part of that remnant. Genesis chapter 18 Abraham whittled God down to 10 righteous. If, if, I, if you can find 10 righteous, Lord, would you spare the place? And God couldn't. And down came the fire on Sodom and Gomorrah. I wonder how many God's looking for in our country. 
Let's be part of that remnant. Go on for God. Folks, yes, it's gotten dark, but it's because of the mystery of iniquity. Yes, it's gotten dark because uh, God said it would. But God hasn't failed. And our marching orders haven't changed. And people, they're still getting saved. They're still getting saved. And you and I are proof of that. Keep on going for the Lord. Amen? Keep on going for the Lord. Remember that light bulb we were talking about last week? Remember that light bulb? Be that light bulb. Be that light bulb. I think of a light bulb that has lasted 120 years on 1900 technology. That's something else, isn't it? You know what? Be that light bulb. Be that light bulb. Because somebody you're going to meet when you leave this building today or tomorrow or this week needs your light. God is still in the soul-saving business. And not everyone is drinking the Kool-Aid. Not everyone is deceived. And there are people out there that are saying, where's the answer? You saved here this morning? You got a Bible? Hold it up. Hold it up. Man, if you're ashamed of your Bible here in this place, you might as well just put it away and never read it again. Hold it up, okay? When you get out, when you get out in that world this week, you hold it up. You hold it up. Take some gospel tracts before you leave. Take some, they're free. Free, you know what? Free is good. <laughs> load up your purse, load up your pockets with tracts. If you can't give them out, lay them around. If you can lay them around, give them out. If you can give them out, stop and talk to somebody about Jesus Christ. Before you know it, you'll have the most exciting thing that can happen to a person happen to you, and that is bring somebody to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Because God is still in the soul-saving business. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And Lord, we are vexed. Uh, you said in, your, in, in the book of Matthew, chapter 5, blessed are they that mourn, for they're going to rejoice someday. They, blessed are them that, that thirst for righteousness. Uh, Lord, we can't be satisfied in a world like this. It wouldn't be right. Lord, there's something in us that yearns, that yearns for a better day yearns for a time when Jesus Christ is exalted and worshipped as King of kings and Lord of lords, when all of this immorality and spiritual wickedness is swept away like a great broom, a besom, as you called it in the Old Testament. And we know that day is coming, but we know it's going to get really dark before it happens. Lord, we know that before the day star arises at the break of dawn, it's the darkest time of night. And Father, it's arguable that we're living in that time. So help us to remember a couple things this morning, Lord. Our marching orders have not changed. Nothing about you or your word has ever failed, nor will it. And we thank you, Lord, this morning that you're still in the soul-saving business. Lord, help us.
get to get in on that help us not to dig a hole and crawl in it and just try to be safe help us to step out in faith and in courage and tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ for we pray these things in his precious name Amen. Let's stand and take our hymnals and turn to number 595. 595. One day. Sing it like you mean it. One day when heaven was filled with his praises. One day when sin was as black as could be.
Dave Hahn, would you come on up here and close us in a word of prayer? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the message that we heard this morning from Pastor. Apply it to our hearts. Lord, the days are dark, but as he said, our lights can shine brighter in dark days. And so help us to radiate the light of Jesus Christ. Help us to create a thirst in others for him. Thank you for the hope that we have. Thank you for our future. Thank you that it's certain. And Lord, help us to go out of these doors and be quick to share that hope with a lost and dying world that's confused about all the things that are going on. Help us to bring clarity through Jesus Christ and help us to just incarnate Christ to the lost and dying world, we pray. Father, we pray for the food that we're about to, to partake of. Please bless it to our bodies. Thank you for this time. And bless our fellowship. May this whole time this afternoon, may there be love of the brethren. And may you be glorified. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.